Chapter 3 Uncle Andrew and his study vanished instantly. Then, for a moment, everything became muddled. The next thing Diggory knew was that there was a soft green light coming down on him from above, and darkness below. He didn't seem to be standing on anything, or sitting, or lying. Nothing appeared to be touching him. I believe I'm in water, said Diggory, or underwater. This frightened him for a second, but almost at once he could feel that he was rushing upward. Then his head suddenly came out into the air, and he found himself scrambling ashore out onto smooth, grassy ground at the edge of a pool. As he rose to his feet, he noticed that he was neither dripping nor panting for breath as anyone would expect after being underwater. His clothes were perfectly dry, and he was standing by the edge of a small pool, not more than ten feet from the side to side in a wood. The trees grew close together and were so leafy that he could not get a glimpse of the sky. All the light was green that it was green light that came through the leaves, but there were, must have been a very strong sun overhead for the green daylight was bright and warm. It was the quietest wood you could possibly imagine. There were no birds, no insects, no animals, and no wind. You could almost feel the trees growing. The pool he had just got out of was not the only pool there. There were dozens of others, a pool every few yards as far as his eyes could reach. You could almost feel the trees drinking the water up with their roots. This wood was very much alive. When he tried to describe it afterwards, Diggory always said, It was a rich place. As rich as a plum cake. The strangest thing was that almost before he had looked around him, Diggory had half forgotten how he had come there. At any rate, he was certainly not thinking about Polly or Uncle Andrew or even his mother. He was not the least bit frightened or excited or curious. If anyone had asked him, how, where did you come from? He would probably have said, I've always been here. That was what it felt like, as if one had always been in that place and never been bored, although nothing had ever happened. As he said long afterward, it's not the sort of place where things happen. The trees go on growing, that's all. After Diggory had looked around the wood for a long time, he noticed that there was a girl lying on her back at the foot of a tree a few yards away. Her eyes were nearly shut, but not quite, as if she were just between sleeping and waking. So he looked at her for a long time and said nothing. At last she opened her eyes and looked at him for a long time too, and she also said nothing. Then she spoke in a dreamy, contented sort of voice. "'I think I've seen you before,' she said." I rather think so too, said Diggory. Have you been here long? Oh, always, said the girl. At least, I don't know, a, a very long time. So have I, said Diggory. No, you haven't, she said. I've just seen you come up out of that pool. Oh, yeah, I suppose I did, said Diggory with a puzzled air. I'd forgotten. Then, for quite a long time, neither said any more. Look here, said the girl presently. I wonder, did we ever really meet before? 
I had a sort of idea, a sort of picture in my head of a boy and a girl like us, living somewhere quite different, and doing all sorts of things. Perhaps it was only a dream. I think I've had the same dream, said Diggory, about a boy and a girl living next door, and something about crawling among rafters, and I remember the girl had a dirty face. Aren't you getting it mixed up? In my dream, it was the boy who had a dirty face. I can't remember the boy's face, said Diggory, and then added, Hello, what's that? Why, it's a guinea pig, said the girl. And it was. A fat guinea pig nosing about in the grass. But around the middle of the guinea pig, there ran a tape. And tied on to it with... By the end of the tape was a bright yellow ring. Look, look, cried Diggory, the ring. And look, you have one on your finger, and so have I. The girl now sat up, really interested at last. They stared very hard at one another, trying to remember. Then, at exactly the same moment, she shouted out, Mr. Kiddily, and he shouted out, Uncle Andrew. And they knew who they were and began to remember the whole story. After a few minutes of hard talking, they had got it all straightened out. Diggory explained how beastly Uncle Andrew had been. What do we do now? asked Polly. Take the guinea pig and go home? Oh, there's no hurry, said Diggory with a huge yawn. Oh, I think there is, said Polly. This place is too quiet. It's so, so dreamy. You're almost asleep. If we once give in to it, we shall just lie down and drowse forever and ever. It is very nice here, said Diggory. Yes, it is, agreed Polly. But we've got to get back. She stood up and began to go cautiously towards the guinea pig. But then she changed her mind. We might as well leave the guinea pig, she said. It's perfectly happy here, and your uncle will only do something horrid to it if we take it back home. Oh, I bet he would, answered Diggory. Look at the way he treated us. But the, Oh, by the way, how do we get home? Go back into the pool, I expect. They came and stood together at the edge, looking down to the smooth water. It was full of the reflection of the green leafy branches, and they made it look really, really deep. But we haven't gotten any bathing things, said Polly. We shan't need them, silly, said Diggory. We're going in with our clothes on. Don't you remember it didn't get wet us on the way up? Can you swim? A bit. Can you? Well, not much. I don't think we shall need to swim, said Diggory. We want to go down, don't we? Neither of them much liked the idea of jumping into the pool, but neither said so to the other. They took their, each other's hands and said, One, two, three, go! And they jumped. There was a great splash, and of course they closed their eyes. But when they opened them again, they found that they were still standing hand in hand in the green wood, and hardly up to their ankles in water. The pool was apparently only a couple of inches deep. They splashed back onto the dreary ground. What on earth's gone wrong? asked Polly in a frightened voice, but not quite as frightened as you might expect, because it's hard to feel really frightened in that wood. The place was too peaceful. Oh, I know, said Diggory. Of course it won't work. We're still wearing our yellow rings. They're for the outward journey, you know. 
The green ones take you home. We have to change rings. Have you got pockets? Good. Put your yellow ring in your left. I've got two rings. Here's one for you. They put on their green rings and came back to the pool. But before they tried another jump, Digger gave a long, Oh! What's the matter? Polly asked. I've just had a really wonderful idea, said Diggory. What are all the other pools? How do you mean? Why, if we can get back to our own world by jumping into this pool, mightn't we get somewhere else by jumping into one of the others? Supposing there was a world at the bottom of every pool. But I thought we were already in your Uncle Andrew's other world or other place or whatever he called it. Didn't you say... Oh, bother, Uncle Andrew, interrupted Diggory. I don't believe he knows anything about it. He never had the pluck to come here himself. He only ever talked of one other world. But suppose there were dozens. You mean this one might be the only one of them? No, I don't believe this one is a world at all. I think it's just sort of an in-between place. Polly looked puzzled. Don't you see, said Diggory? No, do listen. Think of our tunnel under the slates at home. It isn't a room in any of the uh, houses. In a way, it just isn't simply part of any of the houses. But once you're in the tunnel, you can go along it and come out into any of the houses on the row. Mightn't this wood be the same thing? A place that isn't in any of the other worlds, but once you've found the place, you can get into any of them or all of them? But even if you can, began Polly, but Diggory went on as if he hadn't even heard her. And of course, that explains everything, he said. That's why it's so quiet and sleepy here. Nothing ever happens. Just like at home. It's in the houses that people talk and do things and have meals. Nothing goes on in the in-between places. Behind the walls and above the ceilings and under the floor or in our own tunnel. But when you come out of our tunnel, you may find yourself in any house. I think we can get out of this place into jolly well anywhere. We don't need to jump back into the same pool we came up by, or not just yet. The wood between the worlds, said Polly dreamily. It sounds rather nice. Come on, said Diggory. Which pool shall we try? Look here, said Polly. I am not going to try any new pool till we've made sure that we can get back by the old one. We're not even sure if it'll work yet. Oh, yes, said Diggory. We and get caught by Uncle Andrew and have our rings taken away before we've had any fun? No thanks. Couldn't we just go part of the way down to our own world, said Polly, just to see if it works, and then if it does, we'll change rings and come up again before we're really back in Mr. Kitterly's study. Can we go part of the way down? Well, it took time coming up. I suppose it'll take a little time going back. Diggory made rather fuss about agreeing to this. But he had to in the end because Polly absolutely refused to do any exploring in new worlds until she had made sure about getting back to the old one. She was quite as brave as he about some dangers, wasps for example, but she was not so interested in finding out things nobody had ever heard of before. Her diggery was the sort of person who wants to know everything, and when he grew up he became the famous Professor Kirk, who comes into other books. After a good deal of arguing, they agreed to put their green rings, green for safety, said Diggory, so you can't help remembering which is which, and put and hold, held hands and jumped in. But as soon as they seemed to be getting back to Uncle Andrew's study, or 
even to their own world? Polly was a shout, change, and they would slip off their greens and put on their yellows. Diggory wanted to be the one who shouted change, but Polly wanted to agree again. They put on the green rings, took hands, and once more shouted, one, two, three, go. This time it worked. It was very hard to tell you what it felt like, for everything happened so quickly. At first there were bright lights moving about in the black sky. Diggory always thinks these were stars, and even swears they saw Jupiter quite close, close enough to see its moons. But almost at once there were rows and rows of roofs and chimney pots about them, and they could see St. Paul's, and knew they were looking at London. But you could see through the walls of the houses, too. They could even see Uncle Andrew, very vague and shadowy, but getting closer and more solid-looking all the time, just as if he were coming into focus. But before he became quite real, Polly shouted, Change! And they did change, and our world faded away like a dream, and the green light above grew stronger and stronger, till their heads came out of the pool, and they scrambled ashore again. There was the wood all about them, as green and bright and still as ever. The whole thing had taken less than a minute. There, said Diggory, that's all right. Now for the adventure. Any pool will do. Come on, let's try that one. Stop, said Polly. Aren't we going to mark this pool? They stared at each other and turned quite white as they realized the dreadful thing that Diggory had just been about to do. For there were any number of pools in the woods, and the pools were all alike, and the trees were all alike, so that they, if, if they had left one behind, the pool that led to our own world without making any sort of landmark, the chances would be a hundred to one against their ever finding it again. Diggory's hands were shaking as he opened his penknife and cut a long strip of turf on the bank of the pool. The soil, which smelled really nice, was of a rich reddish brown and showed up well against the green. It's a good thing one of us has some sense, said Polly. Well, don't keep grassing about it, said Diggory. Come along. I want to see what's in one of the other pools. Polly gave him a pretty sharp answer, and he said something even nastier in reply. The quarrel lasted for several minutes, but it would be dull to write it all down. Let's just skip to the moment when they stood with beating hearts and rather scared faces at the edge of the unknown pool with their yellow rings on and held hands once more and said, One, two, three, go. Splash! Once again, it, it hadn't worked. This pool, too, appeared to only be a puddle. Instead of reaching a new world, they only got their feet wet and splashed their legs for the second time that morning. If it was a morning, it seemed to always be the same time at the wood between the worlds. Blast and botheration, exclaimed Diggory. What's gone wrong now? We've put our yellow rings on all right. He said yellow for the outward journey. Now the truth was that Uncle Andrew, who knew nothing about the wood between the worlds, had quite a wrong idea about the rings. The yellow ones weren't outward rings, and the green ones weren't homeward rings, at least not in the way that he thought. The stuff of which both were made had come all come from the wood. The stuff in the yellow rings has a, the power of drawing you into the woods. It was stuff that wanted to get back to its own place, the in-between place. But the stuff in the green rings is stuff that is trying to get out of its own place, 
so the green ring would take you out of the wood into a world. Uncle Andrew, you see, was working with things he did not really understand. Most magicians are. Of course, Diggory did not realize the truth quite clearly either, or at least not until a later time. But when they had talked it over, they decided to try their green rings on the new pool, just to see what would happen. Um, game if you are, said Polly. But she really said this because, in her heart of hearts, she now felt sure that neither kind of ring was going to work at all in the new pool, and so there was really nothing worse to be afraid of other than another splash. I'm not quite sure that Diggory had not the same feeling. At any rate, when they had both put on their greens and come back to the edge of the pool and taken hands again, they were certainly a good deal more cheerful and less solemn than they had been the first time. One, two, three, go, said Diggory, and they jumped. Hey guys, Abby back here. I just want to let you know that there is an option of subscribing for my Teaching Tuesdays. If you are wanting to be able to listen to them and have access to them, you are more than welcome to go to my bio and find it there. If you have any problems finding it, feel free to shoot me a message and I'll do my best to get you a link so you can subscribe for my Teaching Tuesdays and get even more information from me and all the information that I have developed and learned as I've been teaching English and anything else that you may need for your classroom or to help you with your own studies. Thanks and continue listening.